The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by Sim Trainer. This is WHIO's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Dayton is our number one priority. You know that. And as news breaks, we'll break in anytime. Dayton's all news and talk is 1290-957-WHIO. Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to this Saturday afternoon pre-recorded broadcast of Shooting from the Hip. I'm Jeff Pedro, in with Mark Avery, and we're from Sim Trainer, the Dayton area's first indoor range and firearms training center. You can visit us on the web at sim-trainer.com. You can give us a call at the range at 937-293-3914, or you can stop down and see us. Our shop is located at 2031 Dryden Road in Moraine, right across the street from DPNL. If you have any firearms-related needs or interests, we'd be more than glad to assist you in helping you pick a gun, determining what kind of training you're going to need, um, talk to you about issues such as the ammo shortage, whatever the case might be, uh, this would be a good place for you to start because we can at least provide you with some insightful perspective to get you moving in the right direction. I wanted to start off today's show by uh, talking about maybe the, there have been so many of them lately, but one of the biggest blunders stated by any public official in recent years. Mayor de Blasio just got on the television yesterday and uh, the news had been reporting that uh, homicides are reaching um, uh, 1990s level um, levels in, in New York City. In uh, New York City in 2019, there were a total for the whole year of 230 homicides. In 2020, there's already 321 and that is already over the total of uh, all last year at 319. And Mayor de Blasio got up and he, in his infinite wisdom, said, this has to be related to the pandemic. And I'm thinking, <laughs> of all the situations, you're locking people down, you're restricting movement, you're going to make the inference, I guess, that because we restrict movement to some of the bad guys to stay in some of their bad neighborhoods, which, for the most part, they stay in their bad neighborhoods anyway, that this is somehow contributing to an increase in violence. There was not a single word or mention of the fact that they released tens of thousands of prisoners early and there are several cases already on the record where people who were released early had committed subsequent violent crimes including murdering in two cases the people who testified against them um, in the trial that ultimately sent them to prison now those two cases i'm not specific about whether they were in the city of new york but nonetheless anytime you release people from prison early especially violent offenders you're putting more violent people out on the streets. And you can see where that would probably, if they really looked into it, be a likely um, uh, characteristic or, or contributing, a, factor, a contributing factor. But it concerns me that they're not willing to have that discussion. They know that that's a very strong likelihood. They know that the uptick in crime in general in cities across the country is somewhat related to that. And if they really looked at it, I think they would... Uh, would say that uh, be able to say without a doubt that it's much more likely that it was attributed to early release than it was to COVID and, and the pandemic. But but somebody like Mayor de Blasio isn't going to stand there and admit this was a mistake. 
because he he can't admit that he's made a mistake. He can't he can't admit that all the things that he's done to do, to New York and all of the different ways that things have gotten worse in New York are a direct result of his actions. He can't admit that. He can't admit it to himself, much less stand in front of a microphone and admit it to the public. Well, the good thing is, Mark, people with an, an, a common mind and, and pay attention on a fairly regular basis, they see through the crap that's being spouted in front of microphones when they talk. The other thing that they just absolutely have overlooked when you're talking about not only violence but death, um, early on in the pandemic, uh, the governor and other people, the governor of at least three states, uh, New York, New Jersey, and Michigan, they ordered people to be able to be required to be taken into nursing homes, which contributed to a confirmed as many as 40,000 deaths relative to COVID early on in this whole situation. And not only that, the president, in response to their request for assistance, um, converted a facility, the Javits Center, to a, uh, a COVID ward. In addition, put, moved a, a, a ship into the harbor there. One of the hospital ships. A hospital ship, one of the two or three major military hospital ships, moved it into the harbor so that they could use it. And instead, they didn't use it because, in, in my opinion, they didn't want to contribute to what was good on the part of the president, making good on his uh, agreement to help the communities when they were, were in trouble. And instead, they lost a lot of lives. So um, there's lots of things going on, and um, that we know we're not getting the truth. Um, if anything else, I, I want to encourage people to step back. Um, turn away from your television, turn away from the mainstream media news, um, listen to shows like this where at least we can put absolutely some don't turn away perspective. from us, absolutely. Yeah, don't turn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we're not classified as mainstream news, but the good thing is WHIO gives way more news than the mainstream news outlets do um, throughout uh, the, the channel selector buttons. And I, I like the fact that uh, um, they try to focus on getting the real story and doing some journalistic uh, um, um, Integrity, and just, yeah, going just, just going out and investigating and finding the things and actually finding out what's going on and what the cause is and, and where things are going. So that's the, the beauty of being affiliated with a, a station like WHIO, both on the radio side and on the TV side. I know that uh, Mike Campbell, one of the uh, TV reporters, just in a, cu a couple weeks ago, uh, we ran a, a little article about some of the things that have been going on in the country and locally. And when we were sitting here, he had some information that he knew was likely uh, tenuous at best, and we had a discussion. We talked about things. We talked through it. We talked about current issues, and they ended up making a great. Uh, uh, he, he gave a great story based on factual information, and um, uh, you know they're working on trying to find uh, additional information. As a follow-up to uh, the situation in New York, uh, something that's uh, rather disturbing: Chicago just uh, had its 677th murder. Um, for 2020, and the total in 2019 is uh, was 200 was 679. In 2019, total murders in Chicago 675. To date in 2020, 677. The highest recorded in 2017, right at or around 750. They say at this pace they could be looking for a whopping record of 900 homicides wow. in 2020. Now, nobody there has mentioned anything about COVID being responsible for these murders. They're in the same situation there where they have released tens of thousands of people from prison, from jails, in response to the COVID. And I guess in a, in a roundabout way, you could say that's the case. But remember, that was a decision the individual governors and local leaders 
made in those jurisdictions. And it was only obvious what was going to happen. And that's where we're at right well, now. Well, it should have been obvious. And part of the problem is the natural consequence of public policy actions is often not considered by those who make making those kinds of decisions. They don't have the experience that allows them to look beyond the immediate effect to what is sometimes called unintended consequences. But just like an accidental discharge, it's not something that you couldn't have foreseen and taken into account. It was not, it was negligence. It, and, and those negligent acts are the cause of many of these changes and many of these numbers that we're seeing, like in Chicago, but they're not going to admit it. There, there's, there's not going to be anything that they're going to do to, to, uh, to mea culpa, to stand up and apologize to the citizens, and especially those who have lost family members as a result of all of these actions. And it's the, the lack of integrity in our public sphere at this point is becoming so evident and it really is it's really disturbing to someone like me and you who spent a large portion of our lives working for the public in uh, commissioned areas you as a police officer me as uh, military and those kinds of that that kind of commitment says we are serious about making sure that public policy does what it should do. We want to do uh, everything that we can to support and defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. You know, um, the Democratic uh, public officials affiliated with the states that are having the majority of these problems around the country are stuck in a situation where they're kind of torn between kind of a losing path no matter which one they take. If they go down the path they're going now, they make excuses. That's obvious to people who are smart and understand things. But the other thing is you notice how they're very cautiously avoiding gun control issues. Um, remember, this is the gun control mob, and they want to take our guns. They want to do things, but they're stuck right now because they're having a hard time talking about the issue of gun control and the relevancy of guns in the violence that's occurring around the country because in many cases when it's riotous violence much of the damage being done by fires and other sorts of destruction of property it's not the guns that are doing that obviously in chicago in particular guns are the overwhelming majority i think the statistic is over 80 percent but listen to the statistic that you don't hear on the mainstream media the report yesterday of the 677 deaths they estimate conservatively 93% are non-Caucasian, non-Caucasian suspects on non-Caucasian victims. Now, they didn't come out when we know the overwhelming majority are black uh, suspects on black victims. But just last night, for the first time I've ever heard the number reported, they said non-Caucasian, and then they clarified black, Hispanic, and other. And again... Because they're tied up in some of the national um, uh, talking points, they got to be careful when they come out and tell the real truth. The real truth is, and it has been for years in Chicago and around the country, the overwhelming majority of gun violence is black suspect on black victim. That's that's a fact, and you can look that up at the FBI Uniform Crime Reports. And there so, have been several infographics that have been put together with exactly those statistics. And when you look at it graphically, when you look at a bar chart. It's stunning just how many we're talking about. You know, and uh, we have been talking for uh, many shows in the past where 
Um, President Biden was responsible for the 1994 crime control bill. The crime control bill is often touted as the assault weapons ban. But what people don't realize is that really was only a little piece of the overall legislation. The broader more impacting part of that legislation was the three strikes you're out and truth and sentences provisions that resulted in tens of thousands of black Americans, African Americans going to jail for long periods of time. Now there again, you notice you haven't heard them talking about that. They haven't brought up the 1994 um, assault weapons ban or the 1994 crime control bill. One of the reasons, Mark, I'm convinced is because we've called them out on it. Well, and we've Joe Biden supported it. it. That's exactly right. He was the author of it. Mm-hmm. He was the author of it. But we've called him out on it. And maybe our our show rings true around the country. I like to think that our <laughs> message gets out there. But there's other people sure. that are almost as smart as us who have obviously okay. brought it to their attention. But that's something that we have spent a lot of time on in the past. And I am dead serious about well, that. It no, is you're something absolutely that, true. It's, it's something that absolutely, and, and, and Mark and I are going to spend some time um, probably next month uh, doing a little bit more detailed work on some early um, numbers that I've put together so that we can get the truth out there. Because at some point, somebody's going to probably make an assertion that they know is not true and they're going to hope it goes unchecked and if it gets checked it's going to be by their side quote right. fact checkers unquote who really aren't fact checkers they're just there to kind of control the narrative well they're yeah they, and they are um they're they're being they're very much on the left side and many of them have worked for campaigns then they are the answers that they provide are very biased in a particular direction and they don't fact check any of the actually false data that comes from their side. Well, well, here's another thing that people have to realize. I saw the most recent data on the National Shooting Sports Foundation that a conservative estimate is there are 5 million new gun owners just in the last seven to eight months in the United States. Now, assuming that's the case, and you go with the narrative that the left has been advancing relative to gun control, you would think that gun crime would be running rampant all over the place, when in fact, that's not the case. You have the pockets like New York City, like Chicago, like Memphis, Tennessee, like Baltimore, St. Louis, and Los Angeles, where you've got number one influence, gangs, number two influence, drugs, number three influence, illegally possessed firearms. Those are the three factors driving the gun crime in those areas. And you look around the country, right here, the people that are coming to Sim Trainer, every single one of them are law-abiding citizens. Every single one of them take the training they need to become responsible gun owners. Every single one of them are then thinking about additional opportunities and looking at how they're going to best have that gun Uh, carry that gun, have that gun readily available to them in their house or place of business or wherever it might be, and use it for personal safety and self-protection based on some of the things were happening around the country. So there's a a big divide, but it's interesting how the narrative has kind of died relative to gun control over the last several months. Well, the other thing I would say is that if you just look across the classes that we have and the number and the kinds of people that take our class, it is a broad cross-section of the community. It's it's from... um, all skin colors, all all uh, economic, socioeconomic areas, all neighborhoods. We have people who come from everywhere to come here because they want to get their license to carry and they want to learn how to do it right. All right, we're going to take our first break for the hour. Uh, if you would like to contact us, please go to our website at sim-trainer.com and use the contact link in the menu at the top. This is Mark Avery with Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. 
It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show, and I want to remind our listeners that this is a pre-recorded broadcast. If you have a question or comment you'd like to make, please go to our website at sim-trainer.com. Um, and go ahead and, and click on our contact tab and send us an email and let us know what question you have or you want to make a comment about the show. And as I've mentioned so many times, if you have a question that would be beneficial to the broader listening audience, we'll bring it up on a subsequent show or we'll just respond to you directly and answer any question you might have. It's a good way to get information, dissemination back and forth. And a lot of times the question you have is something else something somebody is thinking about. Right before the show, we were talking about... Uh, um, the, the, the left and the, the anti-gun people not saying a whole lot about gun control uh, so far relative to the, the, the upcoming presidential And in uh, fact, they're campaign. trying very hard to keep their history out of the media. Yeah. They, you know, the, the fact checkers going back and saying, oh, no, 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 that's not what they said. Well, actually, that is kind of what they yeah. said. And right now, many of you know, the key topic right now is race, as is typically the case this time in every election cycle. And we know why they do it and we know what they're doing. Um, I'm not so sure they know what they're doing because I think it's going to backfire on them because it's been, it's, it's so ridiculous. It's, 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 it's embarrassing. And the reason I wanted to mention this is because Mark talked about the people who come here to Sim Trainer. If you're affiliated with Sim Trainer for, as a member, as a person who comes to classes, um, affiliated with different things here, you know, that, uh, anybody of any race, any background, any socioeconomic status is welcome in our doors. And, uh, we will train anybody that is willing to come here and put themselves, subject themselves to the. Uh, the courses that we have set up and with the understanding that we have a way that we do it and they might have learned something else or they might believe something else, but we're going to try to get them to a level of confidence and competence through the methods that we use here at SimTrain. The only requirement that we have is that you can pass a background check. Yes. And that applies across the board and everybody can. I mean, they know they can. They know if they couldn't, they know they were not going to come here. They're not going to come to a range that's owned by, owned by a retired police officer. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's well, just not where people and, who aren't allowed to possess a firearm are going to be. And even though we say we're members only, uh, member anybody can become a member. All you have to do to become a member is come in, join it for at least a three-month membership, be able to pass that background check. And it's real easy if you just recently purchased a gun from us or you've uh, got your concealed handgun license, you took your uh, class here, and you're waiting to get your con- concealed handgun license we let that period of time satisfy the requirement because we know you're going to get it and as soon as you get it you show it to us and uh, that makes you uh, certified to uh, to be a member here and again that's that's different than other ranges and, and I don't mean to to downplay ranges because I think shooting um, is a wonderful thing and when you can get out and go to the range but remember you have to be legally in possession of a firearm and even if you don't have your firearm you cannot be a prohibited person and touch a firearm whether we can discuss the merits of those kinds of issues on a later show. But the bottom line is we take that seriously. If you are prohibited from possessing a firearm, we don't want you to get yourself in a situation and we don't want to contribute to an unlawful situation. So that's just something that people need to understand. And um, when we talk about prohibited persons, those are people convicted of uh, um, felonies, um, people that are uh, addicted to to drugs, domestic violence, domestic violence, uh, temporary protection order, protection order against 
list you a few other things, but most people know. Most people know uh, if they are, if they aren't. Some some don't. There are some people who over the years have come here and they had something happen. I remember one case that was 30 to 40 years ago, back when they were in college and they forgot all about it. A case was handled. It was ultimately reduced and uh, they pled guilty to a lesser charge. And when they went to come to the class and go get their concealed handgun license, that showed up and they were able to take care of it by getting an attorney and having that record that was 30 or 40 years old expunged and then things were okay with them they were able to not only get their concealed handgun license but they could also purchase a firearm so those are the kinds of issues that we can help people at least down the path to getting things taken care of because there's a lot of people they just simply don't know where to go and we are the information source and we want to help you in that regard and in other areas that uh, we think we can give you proper guidance well and that's one of the reasons why we started this show back now over 11 years ago is because we wanted to make sure that information could get out that it would be fact-checked by us based on actual data like the fbi uniform crime reports and then debunk a lot of the myths that sometimes are very pervasive and often believed but turn out just to be completely false all right we're going to need to take a break and go into the news center again if you'd like to contact us please go to our website at sim-trainer.com and click on the contact link and we will be glad to get back to you as soon as we can this is mark avery with jeff pedro for shooting from the hip on 1290 and 95.7 whio dayton's news and talk this is WHIO's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, this is Rush Limbaugh. This is my home in the Miami Valley. Dayton is our number one priority. You know that. And as news breaks, we'll break in anytime. 1290-957. WHIO. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7. WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show. And uh, I'm going to kind of switch gears a little bit and talk now about a topic that I'm sure some people have thought about, but they really don't know how to proceed. And that is, given the circumstances uh, that COVID has created on our society over the last six to eight months, a lot of the gun-friendly organizations have not been able to have their yearly or periodic uh, fundraising events. And as a result, they're kind of suffering financially because of their inability to have those big fundraisers. And there's a couple I want to talk about, and I just want to ask our listening audience to give some consideration to maybe helping organizations out. I know uh, that people like myself, I'm always looking for good organizations that I can uh, donate to that are going to go to worthy causes. And I want to start off with the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Every year, they have uh, both the state tournaments around the country and the um, the, the national uh, tournament for the steel challenge. And obviously this year they've had to use what's called virtual training where they've had the individual teams and there haven't been many that have participated, shoot at their local clubs, turn the results into the, the national organization. And then they were able to compile the data and determine, you know, who, what, what individual, what place they were in, uh, where they placed, what gun category, whatever the case might be. But um, uh, I'm, I'm going to guess that they were probably down to 10% of their normal um, number of people that uh, contributed and went to those facilities. And it was a huge fundraiser. Not only was it a great event for the kids that participated in Steel Challenge, but it was also a huge uh, moneymaker for the National Shooting Sports Foundation. And they turn around, and after their administration costs are, are covered, they turn that money right back to the Youth Shooting Sporting Initiative. So National Shooting Sports Foundation is one. Uh, locally, an organization that I'm very close to is the local Boys Cloud, uh, Boys uh, Boy Scouts. The the Miami Valley Boy Scout organization has had in years past 
Um, they have well, all the Boy Scout organizations have fundraisers where they have summer camps where the kids pay to go to camp and they go have a great experience. They do a lot of di- different things, um, canoe riding, uh, shooting, a whole lot of different things that they do. It's usually a several day or a week long event. And not only does the cost cover the campers, but they raise money for the other programs that they're um, involved in throughout the year. Well, there's an event coming up on um, October 9th at the Miami, Miami Miami's, uh, let me think, I'm sorry, Middletown Sportsman's Club. It's a fundraiser shoot for the Boy Scouts. Uh, team events, uh, you can get a four-man team. The cost is $1,000 or $250 per team member, and that includes all the um, ammunition and all the clays and dinner and entry in some raffles and the opportunity to purchase some tickets from additional for some additional raffles and you can participate in that event and uh, um, the money the, the proceeds go to the Miami Valley Boy Scouts organization and will help them offset some of the huge losses that they sustained now during that event you will shoot 25 or 50 rounds of uh, um, just trap and then you'll shoot a round of five stand and then you're going to shoot uh um, i think up to 100 rounds in sporting clays and it's really challenging last year sim trainer won the event there were 30 teams i believe we won by one shot my son came late because he had a work situation so he was kind of along with a couple of other guys who came late from other teams they were kind of trailing the the pack and we were all in waiting for them to finish and it was raining it would stop for a little bit then it would pour down and he was telling me that uh, dad i didn't think i did that good because when i was on the um uh, the, the trap shooting, it was pouring down rain and a couple of targets I couldn't even see. I was just taking a shot into the rain, doing the best I could. And um, so he came in and we ended up winning by one shot. You know, when you look Lumber. at the total number, you had, five, you, had, you had five or four people, 150 rounds each, 600 rounds. I can't remember what the total was, but we won by one shot. So we're, we're the defending champion, and uh, we're real proud of that. Well, one of the reasons that we won was because I wasn't shooting. So. Yeah, oh, well, uh, it, was, it was really great to see uh, so many people participate. But if you're interested in participating, if, again, you just send a uh, – uh, an email uh, to our contact page. I will make sure you get the information. Um, they would like to have more teams, more individuals involved. If you don't have a team, we can get you tied up as an individual. They have some some teams that come together. I think last year there were three or four teams that were just a hodgepodge, two guys here, a guy here, two guys here, and they made up teams and they they uh, they shot as a squad. So uh, there's ways you can do it. It's just a great day. They serve a great uh, luncheon. And um, like I said, there's uh, opportunities for additional tickets. They have uh, baskets where you put in your ticket you win different gun related prizes they have uh, there's a couple of guns that are going to be all raffled off and and things of that nature but that's the boy scout miami valley boy scout association that's another great organization uh, locally another organization that we've talked about so many times and that's the buckeye firearms or, uh, association they are really our main advocate in this area from a legislative perspective and just from information dissemination um, i've always told people besides uh um, you, you had the NRA that's been there for a long time, but the United States Concealed Carry Association and the Buckeye Farms Association are two organizations that probably did as much, if not more, for the Ohio community when Ohio passed concealed carry uh, law in 2004 to kind of advance that agenda. And they've done a great job 
um, over the, the the years that they've been they've been in business. We've had uh, um, representatives from their organization on this show several times talking about things that are going on, whether it's legislation, an event, fundraiser. But they're kind of in the same situation. They were having to scale back their fundraisers because they will typically have an event at a major venue, and you got a lot of people in a close proximity. Well, that's been prohibited up until. Uh, uh, when it still has limitations currently, um, but those kinds of things are, are going on. Then I want to mention the NRA. Um, the NRA has been going through some growing pains in the last year, and if you've been a member and you're kind of paying attention to what's going on, there are some things that we'd all like to have answers to, but uh, um, la- we were hoping to get some of the answers at the annual uh, meetings, which were going to be in April in um, Nashville. Nashville, yeah, that's right. Thanks, Mark. Um, I knew it was a great town just south of us. <laughs> I was thinking Lexington, Louisville, or no, no, yeah, well, yeah it, it was Nashville. And I don't know. I haven't paid attention to where it's going to be in 2020, but we're hoping we can have a great, a, a great show, and and, and that'll be 150 together. years. Yes. Yes, and that's that's pretty significant. So undoubtedly, they're going to have some great things planned for that big gala. And uh, but still, all those organizations you see, if you get emails, if you're a member or if you're tied into them, the what's the ones they do in the communities? Mark, they call it Friends of the NRA okay, banquets. Right, yes. Well, they've been they've been forced to you know you know curtail those because of the the proximity and the distancing requirements. And the and, difference about the Friends of the NRA banquet is that's for the NRA Foundation. So the NRA Foundation is a is a total nonprofit there that it's not a political organization they do training they they set up um, like the the uh, youth hunts they set up hunts for disabled vets uh, they have do a lot of law enforcement training and so that that's a, a little bit different organization from the NRA writ large so it's it's a and it's a very important organization in terms of the work that they do and not having the the friends of the NRA banquets that's one of the main generating revenue sources that they have in a year. And just look what you mentioned, the the, the disabled veterans and, and the youth shoots that they do, those are very significant. And, and getting new people involved in the shooting sports, having people there who volunteer their time, paying for, in many cases, paying for the ammunition and the Well, the and a lot of and, that is donated by yeah, the manufacturers. Yeah. But it's a, it's, a total, it's a total effort on people to make something very positive for groups that otherwise wouldn't necessarily have those opportunities. So no matter what you're what your cause is or, or where I, I just want people to consider reaching into their pockets and, and reaching out to these organizations and we can help you in that regard uh, making sure that you at least get uh, an email contact so that you can call them and let them know you want to make a contribution and I'm sure based on past experience they will get you to the the right source quickly and they'll be glad to take that money that'll go to a very good cause all those organizations and many others if you're affiliated with local clubs local organizations um, don't wait for them to reach out to you reach out to them because they're in a situation where they're all waiting like everybody else is waiting to see how things are going to fall and um, the good thing is a lot of the things we do especially in the fall or outdoors and this event that we're having down at uh, Middletown Sportsman's Club it's an all outdoor event except for the uh, the, the meal that they're going to have indoors and um, it's it's a great opportunity to rub elbows with uh, people who have like and similar interests and, and, and do good for the organizations that they represent. So if you, you have, uh, if you're so inclined, let us help you uh, reach out to those organizations and, and find who can, who, who you can help. Uh, along that line is uh, as we go into the, the last less than 50 days now leading into the election, um, this is crunch time. And there are candidates out there who need your help and they need your help 
in a, in a monetary way. Um, they are trying to make sure right now that, uh, you know, people who support not only gun legislation, but who are on the uh, conservative uh, side of things, um, we, we need to either turn some, some liberal seats or we need to retain some seats that, uh, um, that we currently have. And there are some tough races. And there's some candidates, and I think of the, the female from Baltimore. I can't remember her name, but it's a great, she has a, a great story. If you look at uh, Baltimore, um, I'm, I'm sure if you did a search for uh, a Baltimore congresswoman or, or go- Baltimore Canada. person running for right. running for Congress, uh, she does a a walking tour through some of the downtrodden sections of Baltimore, talking about how you know 60 years of Democratic rule has contributed to nothing but squalor. And uh, um, she's a black woman that holds, that, you know, she she really wields a big punch with her words. And uh, she's very, talking at very, it. Very, very well spoken and has a great message. And in fact, her, her ad is one of the most watched ads in the season, in this whole political season. Yeah. And I want to consider, I want to uh, urge you to go out and no matter who it is, reach deep in your pockets and make these contributions. These contributions make a difference. They're going, the, the, the Republican Party, um, uh, they have had a, a pretty widespread ground game, something that in years past they didn't always do. But that takes a lot of personnel. That takes a lot of uh, uh, money. Um, so if it's not money, if you can volunteer your time, get a hold of your local representatives or your local um uh, Republican Party and see if there's some way that you can reach out and get involved. Uh, we've talked before about maybe considering being a poll worker on uh, um, on Election Day. I, I heard that they're giving upwards of $200 in many cases for people to do that. Now, it's a long commitment. Don't get me wrong. It's a very long commitment. But uh, this is probably the most critical election of my lifetime. Um, I, I can't think of any any before. I don't know what, you know, four years or eight years down the road is going to hold, but I can't think of anything that had such significance uh, in my lifetime as this particular election. The name you were looking for was Kimberly Klasick. Absolutely. Thank you, Mark. Kimberly Klasick. Uh, you just put that in a search and watch that video, and it's very compelling. Um, she makes, she tells a good story and she challenges people, prove me wrong. And to my knowledge, I've not heard anybody come out on any of the mainstream media or public and say, she's just doing this because this, this, and this, and it's not true. It's true. They know it's true. They can't refute it. So they just hope that people, it goes below the radar and it goes unnoticed. Well, we're not going to let it go down noticed. Um, because of course she's we got can't a, vote in Baltimore. That's either, exactly but, right. Yeah. But we can certainly talk about those kinds of things because what we have, the going issues on, are the same issues. Absolutely. Absolutely. What we have going on locally are issues that are going on around the country. And, um, you know, we've got to be a multi-issue voter. We've got to get involved in a lot of different things. And, and if you've contributed to your local um, uh, candidates, then consider expanding that contribution out and helping those people do different things. You saw the other day where a former candidate for the Democratic nomination who didn't gain much traction contributed $100 million to Biden's campaign in Florida alone. Now, I don't know how they put limits on on campaign contributions. If but it comes in through a PAC, yeah. you know, then it just... Yeah, that yeah. makes it. But he, he vowed $100 million just in Florida. So there's, there's people on the other side that are taking uh, serious steps to 
um, kind of sway the election one way or the other, and uh, we've got to do our part. And our part isn't just to sit back and be apathetic and let things fall as they may. We've got to get more actively involved. We've already become what I think is a more vocal majority instead of being the silent majority. Um, shows like this, motivations, I think the motivations that we're able to instill in people, I hear people talking about things that I never heard them talking about before. And just in the last two days, two separate incidents, people who are relatively low-key and kind of non-confrontational came up to me and said they took our advice and they're talking to people in their family, talking to their neighbors, talking to coworkers, and letting them know just how good things have been and how much better they can be and how bad they can be if it goes a certain way. They're talking about real issues that before they thought, well, I probably shouldn't talk about that because that's politics and that's bad. That that that's a bad topic to get in get into with people. That it you're can close be a real to. challenge. It is a challenge. There's no doubt about it. But sometimes, it's a good decision. You do it in a very tactful way, and you can sometimes not necessarily sway, but you can educate and let them make their own decision on facts versus just infamous information. Before we go into the break, I want to mention something. And we're recording this show on Thursday. Uh, for the Saturday. So two days ago was Constitution Day. It's the anniversary of the signing or the ratification, the signing of the Constitution. And if you haven't read the Constitution lately, let me encourage you to do that between now and when you vote. It is really important to understand the way the founders intended for government to work. And far too often, it hasn't worked that way, and there are a lot of things that are going on at the national level especially, but also at the state level, that violate the basic tenets of what the founders intended for this form of government to be. It is a republic. It is not a democracy. It is separation of uh, the three distinct branches of government, and they each have their role, and they each are intended to balance each other. So go out and read the Constitution. If you don't know where to find it, go to the um, archives. The National Archives has copies of all of the founding documents. It's something I would strongly encourage you to do. I have a reminder in my calendar every year for Constitution Day and also for Bill of Rights Day that's coming in in December. So between um, now and the election, between the time when you actually cast your ballot, read the Constitution all the way through. It's not that long of a document, and it's well worth the time that you will spend to understand what the design of our form of government was and how you are to participate. All right, we do need to take our last break for the hour. Again, contact us through our website at sim-trainer.com if you have a question or some would like to bring something up on the show. This is Mark Avery with Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show, and uh, I want to remind our listeners that uh, you know we've been very busy here at Sim Trainer trying to fulfill the needs of all the people that want training, and I just want to let you know that uh, many people are taking advantage of our training pass, which is our combination basic handgun and concealed carry class for $200. You get both classes, plus you get a three-month membership to the range, so you can start practicing and uh, getting better with your firearm. Uh, It's a great opportunity for people who have had little to no experience with guns to get themselves up to speed pretty quickly typically that will happen in uh, anywhere from a week to a month we encourage people to take the basic handgun first and then they uh, take the concealed carry class sometime thereafter for people who have tight schedules and you can't fit into some of our um, 
uh, scheduled basic handgun classes. We can do uh, small group uh, private lessons where we get two or four of you together. And sometimes we'll put, you know, a couple and maybe one other person together and we'll do a small group just to make it more uh, beneficial for us to be able to get it done in a timely manner. And we can get that done in a short period of time. I want to remind you, for those of you who are looking and you've seen a lot of things filled through uh, starting into December of this year, we just added two basic handgun classes to the both of the classes in October uh, were already full. The September classes are full. Both October classes are full. So we went ahead and added two classes for basic handgun: one on the 12th and one on the 18th. Of uh, one is a um, a Monday evening from six to ten, and that's on the 12th. And the 18th is a Sunday afternoon from one to five. I checked with our instructors and found out we were able to add those classes. Um, we're going to be adding at least one more concealed carry class. We just don't know exactly when. So if you're interested and you need to get it done right away, just pay attention to our website and watch to see when we add those classes or take advantage of the classes that are already up there. You can always schedule your basic handgun class and defer registering for your concealed carry class till you see when those dates are available and you can still take advantage of the training pass. But because of the the obligation commitment on the part of our training staff and the, the rigorous schedule we already have, um, we are, uh, we're doing the best we can to get people up to speed in a timely manner. So look at the website and get registered as soon as you can, because once you get registered, your payment confirms your slot in that, in that respective class. Exactly. One other thing I want to add about the training pass is that it includes the use of our guns. So you get to use our range guns, both for the the basic handgun class and again for the concealed carry class so if you don't already have your firearm let me strongly encourage you not to just go out and try to buy something come take the class first that will give you an opportunity to try a lot of different guns figure out which one really works best for you and then you can do some targeted acquisition figure out where you can get it and you may have to wait for a bit but in the meantime you can use our guns so uh, that that's included as part of the training pass. And the other good thing is when you take our classes, you're guaranteed the ability to buy ammunition here for that class. Um, our recreational shooters, once you become a member, they're limited to one box per visit. And But our, our uh, people who take our classes, for example, basic and uh, concealed carry, both require two boxes for each class. So a total of four boxes for those. That's not included in the price, but you're able to purchase that and you have access ammunition that you'll use in our guns in the basic class and the one that you select for the concealed carry class exactly so you can come then in between those after you take the basic handgun class your membership is activated on that day and then you can come back and practice and if it's another couple of weeks or, or a month or more before you take the concealed carry class that really helps for you because it gives you a chance to come down buy some ammo Go out into the range. No additional range fees. Just get your targets and ammo and go out into the range and, and practice with a purpose to try to work on things. Now, I understand the law doesn't require you to take both classes, but it certainly benefits you if you do the basic class and then come and take the concealed carry class if you're an inexperienced shooter. Okay, we're out of time. Thanks very much for joining our show today. This is Mark Avery with Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. WHIO Dayton, WHIO FM, Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station from the CJSHeatingAndAir.com studios. CJS means yes.